Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by AJ Stone, bringing innovative safety equipment and comprehensive service to the Ontario Fire Service. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. Dr. Kenneth Coons is a medical oncologist who has taken action in the fight against cancer in firefighters and joins us today on the on the podcast. Dr. Coons, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Tom. Tell me uh, a bit of, first off about yourself. Uh, I, I know you've got a long uh, history, if you, as it were, if you will, with, uh, with cancer and a lot more in medicine. And maybe for those that don't know you, know you or haven't met you or heard you speak at conference, uh, that certainly uh, you, you can tell us about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think I became very interested in being a doctor, you know, quite, quite early in life. In the 70s, like, you know, Richard Nixon declared a war on cancer and, you know, they were going to put all this money and time and resources and power into finding a, a cure for cancer. And I remember when I was going to school thinking, wow, if I could find a cure for cancer, that would be a wonderful contribution to mankind. So as I moved through the school system, I, I moved towards going into medicine, but my primary interest really was chemistry. I wanted to be an organic, uh, synthetic, medicinal chemist, and I wanted to synthesize a drug, a magic bullet that would cure all cancer and just wipe out this scourge that had been you know, affecting mankind. So I went through school and I got a degree in chemistry and then you know, published some papers on synthesizing some drugs and uh, then I went into medicine and when I went into medicine then I went down to the University of Arizona where they had a wonderful uh, comprehensive cancer center and I worked on my PhD synthesizing drugs and screening them in cloned tumor cell lines uh, to try to develop a drug that would cure cancer and uh, as I was going along I started to realize that you know cancer is like fire you can never have a future where, there, where there'll never be a fire. Like fire is a natural consequence of the cosmos. There's always going to be fires with or without mankind. And there's always going to be cancers. I read recently that there was a publication that found cancer in a fossil of a sea turtle that was like 230 million years old. So cancer and fire are both natural consequences of living. And it was you know, somewhat naive of Richard Nixon and me to think that we could obliterate all cancer. So what we have to do is simply be aware, uh, you know, that it's a natural consequence of living and we have to, uh, you know, take steps to try to reduce the number of fires and try to reduce the, the number of cancers. You know, Tom, because of the way that we live our lives today, we have too much food. You know, it, it's available at, uh, at very low cost. You know, when I walk into a supermarket and I see those rows and rows and rows of all of this processed food and Coca-Cola and whatnot, I think to myself, wow, we are really going to pay for this because we're in, in our society, we're actually drowning in a surfeit of resources. We have too much food. It's available at very low cost. It's poor quality food. Um, you know, there's smoking is still uh, prevalent. Alcohol is carcinogenic, and perhaps the most ruinous endeavor of all is inactivity. And these are the reasons why we, we have so much cancer and stroke and heart attack and diabetes and degenerative joint disease and depression and suicide. I think that society is simply just 
drowning in in a surfeit of resources and you know humans uh we were wired to have to try to work all day just to try to get enough calories to survive that day i mean even somewhere in the bible it says give us this day our daily bread because we often didn't get get our daily bread so now i'm working uh you know as a cancer researcher and a writer and a speaker and i i go around and i try to inform firefighters and everyone you know that we have to take personal responsibility for our health which means you know to remain active and uh, eat responsibly and so forth so that's kind of what i'm up to nowadays but you know mm-hmm. i recently went back to school and i got a degree in mental health and addictions because at some point it occurred to me that we have so much cancer and stroke and heart attack and all the other afflictions all the other chronic diseases you know because of the way we think and the way that we behave and a lot of it has to do with trauma you know childhood trauma for example if a child is subject to a number of adverse experiences they're more likely to smoke and if you smoke you're more likely to get pancreatic cancer and all these other things like coronary artery disease and so forth so i went back to school and i got a degree in mental health and addictions and i worked in a treatment center which was an absolutely wonderful experience and so now i'm a a counselor a mental health and addictions counselor with strength counseling services and uh, i love to you know try to help people strive for a better way of life when it comes to being patients in especially especially with cancer how does the culture of the fire service uh, how does that uh, how do you see that well you know that's a fabulous question because it's exactly why i why i'm doing what i'm doing you know <laughs> if you're a doctor it's a very tough job being a doctor because you know we're dealing with all of these chronic diseases and and one thing that i'd like to say this is my experience this might not be the experience of other doctors but it's very hard to try to look after people who will not help you look after them you know when i was working in internal medicine there were people who are you know there was someone might be on blood pressure pills and uh, uh, you know a diabetes pill and a water pill and and all these different type of pills and you know the simple formula would be if they you know lost weight and exercised uh you know they wouldn't have to take all of these pills and so i think what i'm trying to say is that for a doctor it's very hard to try to look after people who will not help you look after them but when it comes to firefighters i've always found that they were eager uh they were willing they were interested you know they hey doc what can i do so that i don't get cancer or you know hey hey doctor what can i do to live a, a more active and and uh, vital life. So the the joy about working with firefighters is that they care and they're willing to work with you, you know, to a a, a better uh end, to a better level of health. It's a thrill working with firefighters. I love <laughs> I, you know, I almost consider myself an honorary firefighter because I like them so much. You debuted uh a column, an article rather, uh, in fact a three-part uh, feature in Firefighting in Canada magazine in the December issue where it began, and uh, some interesting um, statistical looks into uh, into cancer and firefighters, and interesting that uh, talks about ancient Rome. I want to hear more about that. Well, Tom, how that happened was that, 
you know, because I've done a little bit of modest work uh, in trying to help firefighters and, and work with them to improve their health. Um, firefighters contact me all the time and, you know, it's like, hey, I have cancer. I really feel it was related to all the fires, uh, you know, that I've been exposed to, but I cannot get help from workman's compensation. They simply, you know, refuse to help me. Or um, if a firefighter does get cancer, then, you know, society in the form of workman's compensation, because I think that that's a government body, although I'm not familiar with politics, I try to stay away from that. But, um, yeah, I, I had I have esophageal cancer, but I only have 19 years of service and you need 20 years of service. And society was turning away. You know, firefighters are people to, that rush into burning buildings, you know, to save us. But when they get sick, in some cases, not all, you know, we turn them away and say, hey, you know, you can't prove that your cancer was a, as a result of firefighting. You know, we're not going to give you benefits. And the firefighters almost always say, I don't care about me, Dr. Coons. It's my children. What's going to happen to me when I die of my cancer? And, um, you know, my family's left, uh, you know, uh, whistling in the wind. So as a society, we have to be prepared to help the people that we expect to help us when we're in trouble. A fire is a terrible, terrifying thing. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen one live, uh, so I wanted to write an article uh, about how Caesar Augustus, you know, there were some very early fire chiefs, you know, Crassus and uh, Lucinius Rufus, you know, were, were a couple of them who met unpleasant ends. But I wanted to write about the Imperial Roman Fire Service that was inaugurated by Caesar in the year 7 AD because Caesar Augustus was fed up. Rome was a city of one or two million people that was mainly built of wood and fabric, and they used to have up to 100 fires a day, any one or two of which could erupt into terrifying infernos. And, you know, in the year 6 AD, I think part of his palace burned down, and he went, listen, I'm absolutely fed up with fires. We need to do something. We need to organize ourselves. And so he uh, levied a tax on the sale of slaves, and slaves were about 30% of the population and he raised a fire fund, and with that he appointed a fire commissioner, and he divided the city of Rome into 14 distinct regions, and the fire commissioner set up seven fire departments. Each fire department was responsible for two fire protection in two regions of the city, and they built these very sophisticated fire halls, which were quite large, you know, with marble floors and mosaics and water cisterns and whatnot. And they hired approximately 3,900 professional career firefighters. But because the job was so dangerous, you know, fire knockdown and overhaul was so these terrible infernos that um, they were having difficulty getting young men to sign up. I'm not sure if they took women into the fire service. I don't think that they took them into the Imperial Roman Army, except in an auxiliary fashion. But they had trouble having young firefighters join. So... Um, Tiberius, who was the next Caesar, uh, said, hey, listen, you will get free Roman citizenship, you know, which was a, a considerable, it had a lot of privileges and benefits. If you serve six years in the fire service, you know, you'll get free Roman citizenship and you'll get a, a, a huge cash bonus. And the other thing that Caesar did at the time was because, you know, in illness, injury, injury, 
and trauma, you know, were, were probably so prevalent in early firefighters, he established a, a healthcare team that consisted of about 28 physicians. I think that that's the first sub-discipline of medicine, fire, interdisciplinary firefighting medicine. He appointed a team of physicians and mental health care counselors uh, to look after the firefighters. So, you know, if you read the end, if you compare a six-year uh, span of service for a firefighter, you know, someone fighting with the Imperial Roman Army had to serve 25 years before they got citizenship and cash and grain. So, you know, they recognized that the firefighters were really up against it in terms of the lethality of their profession. And so they had all of these benefits. A six-year service got you Roman citizenship and, you know, uh, and a stipend. You know, later on, they recognized that, because I think because the mortality rate was probably so high, that they lowered the uh, period of service to three years. So if you were you know, a firefighter and you served three years of faithful service, you got citizenship and, and um, money, a cash, uh, you know, stipend. So and a significant cash stipend. So what I was thinking was, wow, even in Imperial Rome, 2000 years ago, they recognized the value of uh, firefighters and they looked after them. They had physicians and they were given resources and they had top level you know, they had these primitive deck-mounted deluge guns and all this sophisticated equipment in the fire halls. And I thought, what if as a society now in 2019 and going forward, we looked after our firefighters as thoroughly uh, and supported them as thoroughly as they did 2,000 years ago? Because, you know, we're not doing a very good job. I hear from firefighters and first responders and even police officers, you know, who have attended uh a, num a number of fires without uh, protective equipment, that when they get sick, and particularly when it involves cancer, we don't help them. We're 2,000 years behind. And so I think that the value of making a case in giving better support to firefighters, a good way to start was to compare it to the Imperial Roman Fire Service, which was very sophisticated in terms of looking after their personnel. And that's how that story got started, Tom. Very, very interesting. And granted, we have come a long way in terms of some of the presumptive legislation that we've been able to get uh, provincially uh, across uh, across Canada. But I'm hearing you say that is uh, that we've come so far, but we haven't gone far enough. Well, no, we we haven't. I mean, it's a nice start, and the sentiment is is you know much appreciated. But like, if you consider the human body, how many different types of cells? you know, like liver, lung, bone, brain, skin, gut, bone marrow, you know, there's over 200 different types of cells in the human body. And in each of those cells, there's somewhere between 20 and 25,000 protein coding genes. Now, if you're a firefighter, you know, with everything that's built of, you know, these uh, synthetic construction materials and organometallics and whatnot, and you're continually exposed to smoke, you know, most or almost all firefighters tell me that they smell like smoke or burning plastic for days after fighting a blaze, even with the most sophisticated personal protective equipment and, and breathing apparatus. Like if you get those carcinogens dissolved in your bloodstream, which is what happens, uh, these carcinogens, and, you know, even in the burning cone of a cigarette, which is organic material, it's leaves, there's between five and 7,000 different 
synthetic compounds that are produced in the heat and pressure of even a natural fire, like a wildlands fire. But when you look at all the synthetic construction materials with dioxins and PCBs and whatnot, these things get dissolved in a firefighter's bloodstream and they're pumped around the entire body so that any tissue, whether it's liver, lung, bone, brain, skin, gut, whatever, can have, uh, you know, the, the uh, genetic mutations will strike at the weakest point. And it's, it's my feeling in theory and probably in practice that a firefighter can get any type of cancer. So if in BC we recognize, you know, 13 different types of cancer as being related to firefighting, that's ridiculous because I think that a firefighter can get any type of cancer. And then the other thing that's absolutely unsupportable scientifically is a thing that somebody made up. And I would actually like to talk to the people who made it up. These things called minimum cumulative periods because in my professional career, I've never known cancer to obey any type of minimum cumulative period. If you're, you're exposed to a carcinogen, um, a significant carcinogen, you can get a cancer of any type that you're vulnerable to, and it can appear at any time. I've never seen a medical publication in medical statistics or toxicology or any other branch of science or mathematics or statistics that shows that there are minimum cumulative periods for cancer. Cancer simply does not obey. So I remember once a firefighter came to me and said, hey, um, after, it was after I gave a talk, and they came up and said to me, um, I had esophageal cancer. And I go, oh, okay, well, that's covered. You know, did you get benefits? No, he said, I only had 19 years of service and you need 20. They told me to take the elevator down. I wasn't you know, I wasn't eligible. And I found that absolutely unconscionable. And I felt ashamed as a Canadian, as a taxpaying Canadian citizen, that someone in the service of the, in the selfless service of the public would get cancer and then have to go it alone, you know, without help based on some ridiculous uh, subjective uh, minimum cumulative period that somebody with no experience in cancer and human health and disease simply, you know, put on. So, you know, uh, in the state of California, I was talking to the people down there, and I said, "Hey, what do you guys do when a when a firefighter gets cancer? Like, uh, are certain cover uh, cancers covered? Uh, and like, do you have these minimum cumulative periods?" And the people in human resources said, "No. If a firefighter is gainfully, uh, actively employed as a firefighter, you know, with our uh, uh, state government, they simply have to show that they're a firefighter, and we help them." And I thought, "Wow, that's simple." But in Canada, you know, we, I'm working on a few cases right now where firefighters simply can, cannot get benefits. And it's not only do they have to fight cancer, but they've got to go through this terrible back and forth with workmen's compensation trying to prove, you know, that, that their cancer was related to what they do for a living. So, you know, statistics show that cancer, uh, the incidence and mortality is higher in firefighters. And as a modern, enlightened society, we should recognize that and, and help firefighters when, when they need help. You know, I want to talk about prevention uh, just a little bit in the short time we have left. And I want to leave our listeners with, uh, with, a, with a tip, with, with, a, with a bit of a nugget that, uh, that, that you as a firefighter should be taking care of or be aware of when it comes to cancer. That's a wonderful question. Number one, if you're a firefighter, there's no way that you can avoid 
higher cancer incidence and mortality rates. It comes part and parcel because you're being immersed and marinated in toxins every time you fight a fire, regardless of what type of equipment. You know, we know that these molecules are so small that they just go through fabric because firefighters will tell you that they smell like a smoked ham after fighting a fire with or without firefighting equipment. So if you're a firefighter, you have to have situational awareness. You, you have to be aware that that job is going to put you at a higher risk for things like cancer and trauma, you know, psychological trauma because of the things that firefighters have to witness. So the risks are higher in that job. And that's why I, uh, I, I admire firefighters so much because they're willing you know, to, to take on that risk. So number one, you cannot separate it out. If you're a firefighter, you're at higher risk. So therefore you have to go to number two. You have to take personal accountability for your own health. Doctors won't rush around you know, trying to look after you, you have to take personal responsibility to wear your equipment uh, properly, uh, decontamination, you know, after the fire, um, you know, and, and, and the standard Canadian citizen is at high risk. In Canada, you know, uh, uh, the average Canadian has a 30% chance of dying of cancer. I mean, it is a, a significant risk even for a standard citizen. If you look at a firefighter, they die 14% more often uh, from cancer. So a firefighter has a 44% lifetime chance of dying of cancer. So what it comes down to is, number one, accepting the risk and then mitigating the risk through the way that you live your life, which is you know, to uh, minimize your contact with the carcinogens by wearing equipment properly and then decontaminating. And then the other thing that I think, so it comes down to personal responsibility in, uh, you know, the way that you choose to live your life, you know, eating a clean diet, you know, remaining active, you know, um, eschewing smoking and, you know, keeping alcohol to an absolute minimum. But um, the other thing is that uh, firefighters should develop a close relationship with their primary care physician and the primary care physician, and that's the reason why I wrote that letter that a firefighter can take to their doctors, which is available on the BC Firefighter Chief's website, a firefighter should develop a close working relationship with a family physician who is aware of the risks that a firefighter faces. Tom, I'm writing an article right now called Family Physicians and Their Firefighters, The Cancer Tsunami Has Arrived. And this is a publication that I'm writing for the Family Practice Doctors of Canada because doctors generally are not aware that firefighters have more cancer. They just don't know. But, uh, so I'm trying to educate the firefighters and the doctors. But a firefighter has to take personal responsibility. And another very important point is that a firefighter should keep a log of all the fires that they were exposed to and the types of carcinogens because when you... If a firefighter unfortunately gets the cancer um, and you have to try to struggle with workman's compensation to get benefits, if you have a careful record of the fires and the carcinogens that you faced, it makes it easier to try to persuade workman's compensation to help you. So it basically all comes down to personal responsibility and uh, cancer screening and surveillance, you know, that, so that firefighters can live the best life possible and survive long after, uh, you know, uh, live a long, healthy life after being a firefighter, if that's possible. 
People can find out more information uh, on on what we've talked about today by certainly checking out Firefighting in Canada magazine, uh, the uh, December issue and the uh, subsequent issues with the uh, second and third parts of uh, of, uh, of your article. Very interesting stuff, uh, Dr. Kenneth Coons. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. There's so much more we could talk about and uh, so much more to learn. Uh, and I hope uh, and I know the message is, is going to be well received uh, across Canada. Tom, I'm very grateful to you and I'm very grateful to firefighting in Canada. Uh, I am all for the firefighters and I think that we really need to, as a society, you know, step up to the plate and take care of those, the people that we expect to help us. So thank you again. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by A.J. Stone, bringing innovative safety equipment and comprehensive service to the Ontario Fire Service. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.